You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast, where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history, find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. So one of the really cool things about podcasting is it's kind of like therapy, except you don't have to pay for it. And instead, it's just a bunch of strangers on the Internet calling you terrible things and uh, giving you pretty terrible advice while they're at it. It used to really bother me. Now it just entertains me because, and I know this isn't true, but it's just how I kind of visualize it. Nothing on the Internet is real. And as soon as the screen goes dark, it's like I come back to the real world. And I've actually met a handful of people that say shit about me online. And they would never say the shit to my face. And I'm not a intimidating person, but I do have the ability to be. And uh, that, that's just what it comes down to. They, they live a completely parallel life compared to the life that they actually live in the real world. But uh, going back to it a little bit, it's a lot like therapy. It's a lot like talk therapy. I, I saw, I've seen a couple of therapists over the years. And, you know, the, the ones that I really feel comfortable with are the ones where I can talk for a long time. And then when it's finally like, okay, there's nothing else for me to say, they actually listen and they get back to you. Except the thing that's missing from this is that uh, no, nobody talks back. And those that do, I, I get I get really nice, uh, you know, messages of kindness and respect and, you know, just, just compliments every once in a while. They're, you know, completely unwarranted and I appreciate it. But, uh... I haven't seen a therapist since March, primarily because I was saving up for a vacation with my girlfriend. We were going to go to New York and visit friends in in, uh, in Rhode Island, and we were going to go to New York City, and uh, she wanted to go do all the touristy things, and I really wanted to go to Midtown Comics. It was going to be a whole thing. And, uh, you know, then, then the lockdown happened, and that, that happened, and then I got a, a 10% pay cut at the Washington Times, and it was a... Uh, it was a hard time, and, you know, after a while, you know, I, I, I started making some more money. I started doing a lot of freelance stuff to try and make up for that gap in my income, and eventually I would do better by coming over to Parlor where I am now, and now, uh, you know, I'll have to do as many side projects. Now I can focus more on the stuff that I like, and, you know, I, I, want, you, I want you to remember, for, especially for those of you that are just now listening, no one, no one pays for a sponsorship on this show. Uh, you know, the, the guys from Break the Bell, we have a agreement where I play their ad on my show and they play my ad on their show. And it's, you know, it's, it's a good one for one trade. And all the, all the affiliate links you see in the show notes, those are just affiliate links. 
Uh, I only benefit from it if you actually sign up and take advantage of any of them. So whether it's Robin Hood or anything else, I make no money from the show unless unless you actually go and do one of those things, which I'll admit, people don't really do it much anymore. But I keep it up anyway because I want you to know the stuff that I'm using to make me money and to make my life easier, and I might as well benefit from it just like anyone would. So if you want to support the show, go check out one of those links in the show notes and take advantage of that. Like with Robinhood, you sign up, you get a free stock, I get a free stock, everyone gets a free stock, we're good. But um, I, I've wanted to go back and uh, you know re- resume sessions, but... I remember my my therapist once told me, you know, the job of a good therapist is to no longer be needed. And, uh, you know, what I realized was that meant, you know, I had been preparing myself for the day where I eventually wouldn't have to have one. And I would know that day because I could take all the lessons and all the, you know, assignments and all the stuff that we were doing. And I could just do it on my own and reach the same conclusions and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think I've done pretty well. I'm in a position now where I could start whenever I want, but I just don't feel like I've needed to. Uh, the one thing I will say has probably waned this year is uh, I wouldn't say my faith has waned. But what I will say is that um, I don't pray as often. You know, God is probably not at the forefront at the forefront of my thoughts. It's not that I stop believing. It's not that I still don't believe. It's just that it doesn't seem that big to me, and that's a problem because it's in periods like this where, when God feels distant, I know something bad is happening, and then what happens is the bad thing happens and. I end up running back to him. And I know this because it's happened to me probably hundreds of times in my life. And it's this strange combination between like absolute horror and absolute beauty. Because when you get that moment back, it's like a wave comes over to comes over you. It's like a spiritual wave and all the pain and all the fear gets washed away. And you're on that high for as long as it lasts and then you slowly start to wake up and you get back to the regular world and it's like you're a completely fresh and new person. But it's a very exhausting and it's a very terrifying experience as you go through it and then you get to that point and then it's better. And uh, I think I'm catching myself now because the bad thing hasn't happened yet. But it's the fear of that that reminds me that my faith always needs to be at the forefront of my mind. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's been interesting seeing people on social media because I often feel that, you know, the lizard brain comes out and people just act really irrationally. But sometimes you see some stuff that just really makes you think. And what I find is that sometimes the only time you could tell somebody's being really honest about something is when they come out and talk about something that really bothers them. And that is... Uh, that that is, you know, what what I see as a sign of strength. Often, sometimes I think it's also a sign of somebody just crying for attention, but uh, but oftentimes I see it as a sign of strength because it's really hard to come out about the things that bother you. Um, we're we're going into 
into Thanksgiving now, and the holidays are coming up, and then it's going to be New Year's, and a lot of things are changing, and a lot of things don't have that type of luster that you would typically have, especially as you're going into a new year. And uh, I can say it's probably never felt bleaker before. And it's weird saying that because I remember as a kid what Thanksgiving and Christmas felt like after 9-11. It felt like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then when the wars came around... They still felt like like it. And uh, 2006 was a really rough year for me because that was one of the first times I remember that things were different because my father often went away a lot for work, but he was always there for the holidays. And 2006 was the first year he wasn't there because he was in Iraq. And we went to go spend Christmas with my grandmother we just gotten my uh, my new puppy, my, my good girl, my good doggo. And, uh, you know, it felt, it felt different, but it didn't feel like, oh, this is a good change of pace. It felt like, you know, it, was, it wasn't going to be the same type of Thanksgiving. And then it didn't feel like the same type of Christmas. And it certainly didn't feel like the same type of New Year's. And in a way, it's almost like you're kind of being robbed because you come to those things with a certain expectation of happiness. And then when you don't get it, it doesn't just feel bad. It feels wrong. It feels like you were robbed of something. And the the difficult thing is you know you'll never get that moment back. All you can do is hope and hope and hope that the next year things are better. That the next year, you get that you get that shine back. Um, I don't know who I was listening to the other day. Somebody, somebody. I think it may have been, yeah, I think it was Donald Miller on the Building a Story Brand podcast. Donald Miller is a is an interesting guy because he's like a super Christian, but he's also like an extreme progressive. And, uh, you know, I bet I bet progressive Christians could say the same thing about conservative Christians and such. I, I'm not I'm not criticizing him. I'm just I'm just pointing it out because you don't really see that anymore. You know, a lot of liberals like growing up, they would still pretend to be Christian. And then after a while, they would just kind of ditch it and leave and go off and do something else. But with Donald Miller, he 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 has he has friends who are pretty much everybody. And that's the cool thing about him. And I remember he uh, he gave probably the most important convo at Liberty University that I ever watched. And it's one I still actually pull up on YouTube and I watch to this day. In fact, I've got in my hand right now, I've got paperback copy of Blue Like Jazz. And uh, this was his this was his memoir, his first memoir, because I know he wrote several. And he said there's nothing more elitist than having the chance to write several memoirs and get make money off of it. But uh, Blue Like Jazz, I bought... In a, in a pretty particular point in my life because this was my junior year of college. It was my first year at Liberty University. Uh, I was really trying to discover 
more depth and range of my faith. And, uh, you know, with him, I, I liked him because he was a writer and he was a really great public speaker. And I was going through kind of like a beat blogger phase. Uh, I've got photos of me doing like the whole coffee shop, you know, grunge type of photo. Like, check out my blog, man. Or don't. Maybe it's not for you. And it's so it's so cringy when I look at that. Um, you can still find some of those photos on my Facebook page probably. They are cringe-worthy. I thought I was the shit back then, but... As I, as I get older and the bags under my eyes start to form a bit more, it becomes pretty obvious that, uh, yeah, it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty cringy. But uh, Donald Miller is really good at helping businesses and helping brands understand the story that they go ahead and tell customers and how the customers or the clients become part of the story. And... Uh, you know, that, that's just what he does from the business side, but he doesn't just apply it to the business world. He applies it to life in general, and that's a pretty beautiful thing. And I think we're all pretty, uh, pretty aware of Joseph Campbell's uh, you know, journey of the hero. And uh, basically, you know, what, what this does, it, it, goes in, it goes in phases. Like you've got the young, naive hero who starts... You know, kind of like Anna, kind of like Luke Skywalker. He's the kid on the farm, wants to go become a fighter pilot, and uh, you know he's he's just he's just not there yet. Then something happens, and he's propelled into a journey by you know meeting meeting R two D two and C three PO and Ben Kenobi, and then the point of no return is when his uncle Owen and his aunt are killed, and then the journey starts when he meets. Han and Chewbacca and they have to go save the princess at the climax of the story and then after the climax they get to the point where you know the hero really begins to question whether or not he can go through fighting the empire and then the big battle is uh, you know Luke flying in an X-wing to go blow up the Death Star and you know when when the movie ends and he's given a medal for bravery with his friends it uh you know, it, it leaves him at a point of no return. So the the gentle farm boy at the beginning of Episode Four, uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, is now a big hero, and he's he's changed as a person. He's braver. He's gone on the great adventure. And the the thing that I apply to every story I read, and Mark Claire and I talk about this. On our other show, the Second Brick Comics podcast, is I, I call it the New Hope Test, where uh, George Lucas started with that chapter in his Star Wars series because it was the one that he had the ability to create with the means that he had at his disposal. But he also said, if I never make another Star Wars film, this will be a good standalone story. Well, fate would have it. He wouldn't just get one Star Wars film. He would get a whole bunch and, uh, you know, it's, it's what we love and hate and love to talk about and hate that we love certain things that we talk about when it comes to Star Wars. But it's that hero's journey um, that applies to every story. Whether the protagonist is really a heroic person or not, everyone has to go through that. And uh, one of my favorite shows of all time was, was a Community on NBC. And there's a character called Abed. And if you remember Abed, Abed thinks that he's basically living in a movie or a TV show. And, you know, it's, it's some meta-narrative right there uh, because it is a TV show. 
but uh, he frames everything in the language of movies. And in a way, I kind of see my world like that too. I, I kind of see it as a movie, like certain phases in my life could be different films or certain phases could be, you know, different episodes. And I can totally understand it. Um, but oftentimes things get kind of blurry and we forget to see where we are in the story. And the biggest thing for me as a, as a young adult in college that it took me a while to figure out, it's that the story isn't linear like the only linear thing about our lives is that we're born and we live and then we die but the thing about life itself is that you know it's it's a roller coaster and that's a really cheesy way of saying it but um you know that's the best way to do it in in christianity i i call it christianese because it's one of those things that people say and often they don't really know what it means but uh once you you know, join a good congregation. You start to learn more about, you know, the Bible and things like that. Um, there's a there's a phrase called seasons, and you know, sometimes you'll hear like, "Hey, man, how how are you doing?" And the other person will say, "Man, you know, I'm going through a rough season right now, or I'm going through a really bad season right now." Uh, seasons biblically have a have a different meaning, because you know, just like in in you know in the world around us seasons mean changing parts of the weather and you might know people that say they might have seasonal depression because when it gets darker colder and it becomes more isolating and uncomfortable they they tend to feel more emotionally blue and that's that's a that's a real thing that happens um but you know it also is a metaphor for your life like let's say you're in you're in a fall season that means that you know things are things are changing and things are getting colder and things are getting darker and you don't know how long you're going to have to get get through this and then when you're in a spring season you know things are much more you know open and optimistic and sunny and bright and good and uh you know, I bet I bet somebody who's wiser than me knows kind of like the descriptions for the others. But it's really just kind of that. Like you're either going through the best phase of your time or you're going through a really bad phase of your time. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things I remembered. And what, what's interesting is that you, you see this uh, this metaphor thrown in with a lot of biblical leaders. Like you see this with Moses. Like Moses uh, dealt with depression quite a bit. Um, you know, he, he went through a lot of seasons in his own life and you see this with, you know, like with King David, he goes through a severe depression and then things are really great. And then he goes through a severe depression and then he goes on like a vigilante killing spree and shit. And it's, it's pretty metal. Uh, I think David's a pretty metal character, but you, but you see this throughout and you basically see that, you know, they, they go through seasons of their own and whether you believe the Bible or not, uh, just looking at it as you know, very, very important literature. Like Jordan Peterson would probably view it. Um, you cannot discount the messages and the symbolism behind that. But even in the Bible, and this is why with Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey, like you even see it there. And I think Jordan Peterson also brings this up too. It's like you have to understand the hero's journey and the best 
place to see the hero's journey is through mythology, but he really finds it uh, a lot in the Bible and in his book, uh, you know, 12, 12 pieces of advice or 12 lessons, whatever the Jordan Peterson book is your, your cousin probably told you will change your life and stuff like that. Like, I, I can't remember the name of the book, but whatever that book by Jordan Peterson was, he uses a lot of uh, Christian, uh, Christian um, stories, and he takes a lot from the Bible, and he puts it in there. But uh, the hero's journey is what I try and apply to my life, because I think it's the best test for you being honest with yourself sometimes because you're able to kind of take yourself out of where you are now and you can kind of put yourself in front of you and see where you are in the story. Uh, I remember I had a I had a guy, he was one of my supervisors in that shitty job I had where I had to sell makeup business to business. And I remember he was uh he was formerly a Los Angeles reporter. Like he was actually on 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 a Fox affiliate and stuff like that. And what happened was he was caught cheating on his girlfriend. So uh he he got sick of, you know, reporting on stories about dead guys in his neighborhood. I mean, he just got sick of the media and then he cheated on his girlfriend. So his life was, Oh, and he got caught in bed with the girl he was cheating with. Um, so his life was just not doing very well. And then he got the job where he basically got so good at selling makeup. He, uh, was offered to open up his own office in New York. So he ended up taking the company over to New York city he actually ended up renting the building where uh, Stratton Oakmont, uh, Jordan Belfort's place from the Wolf of Wall Street. He ended up renting the exact same office that uh, the Wolf of Wall Street had in the early 90s, uh, early, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. So, I mean, he was living his best life. But what happened was when he got there, he basically, he, uh, he basically ran it to the ground. So rather than fire him, what they basically did was they sent him over to Reston, Virginia, where my office was, and they had him basically take a few steps back. So he was still like in a supervisor role, but he wasn't going to get to be a a branch manager or a branch owner, however they had it. And uh, that was kind of his thing. And I remember we were eating lunch at like Subway or something during a lunch break. We were over selling stuff in a, in Maryland. I remember him asking me, uh, you know, about myself and I had, you know, I told him what I did, you know, I, I, I used to do politics and that was really fun. And I wrote a book and I was writing another book at the time. And I did a podcast. I did cool shit, but I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And he was like, well, how do you, how do you feel about yourself, man? Because if I were you, I would feel like shit. And I, I laughed. I looked at him I'm like, well, dude, if I were you, I would feel like shit. So I guess we both feel like shit because here we are two people that had, you know, worked really hard, accomplished a lot. And that both, you know, for both of us, it just seemed like this was, this was basically the bottom. And, uh, you know, I tell people before that I was, a I was a GameStop employee. And even though I got paid literally minimum wage, which is like 725 in Virginia, unless that's changed or something, uh, I had more dignity of that job than the makeup selling job because the makeup selling job was really sleazy. Um, but anyway, this guy and I were talking and I had been really trying hard to be optimistic. And I guess it's because I was getting paid 
decently there. I thought that, you know, I just got to stick this out for a little bit and see what happens. So maybe my life is getting better. But, um, you know, he, he, um, he asks me, like, how do you stay optimistic? And I told him in the best way possible. I'm like, well, you know, I, I believe that everyone lives within the confines of the hero's journey. But the hero's journey does not end. It just ends when a certain chapter is done and that goes on to the next. And right now I think I'm in another chapter of my journey. And uh, he asked me, he's like, where, where are you at? And I told him, I don't know. I know I'm somewhere. I just don't know where I am. And uh, he, he wanted to write a book. So we were talking about what his book would be like. And he wanted to write a memoir about what it's like to be a, you know, a former reporter who was pretty big locally, who cheats on his girlfriend, gets a job selling makeup, does really well, moves to New York, fucks that up, and then has to get sent outside of D.C. to deal with kids like me. And, uh, you know, it was it was funny. And when I basically told him, it's like, you... You, you are probably at the point in your life where you, you've hit the climax and now you're in the big battle because you've changed. You can't go back to where normalcy was. You had a big challenge and you lost, but it doesn't seem like your battle is over. It seems like right now you're in like the fighting phase after the climax and eventually you're going to find that resolution. And I, uh, yeah, I just remember he looked at me. He's like, you, you say that. And it's pretty accurate towards my life. How, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, because you just explained what a rough season you're in. And he's like, what are you talking about season? So I told him, you know, I, 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 I believe in this biblical view of life. It's that we're in seasons. And from everything you just told me, you're not only in this battling phase of your uh, hero's journey between where the big battle is and now you're in the period of self-doubt. And then, you know, at the end of it, you'll find a sense of peace or at least a sense of resolve. And then you'll just start over again. But you've also just said that you're just not doing well. And that's that's just pretty obvious in the way you say it. You, you're not happy with how things are. But the thing is, the these periods do end. They do end. It does. I mean, it might take days. It might take months. It might take, it might take years. It might take decades. But the thing is, life does do that. And I'm not saying that for some people, life is just going to get universally better. It just gets to the point where we give ourselves permission to be happy. And we make that uh, difference in our lives because happiness is ultimately a choice. I, I, I do thoroughly, thoroughly believe that happiness is a choice. And at that point, when you choose happiness over everything else, you you have basically come to the conclusion of that chapter in your hero's journey. And, uh, you know, for days, I just remember for days he was assigned to me. We just kept talking about it. It was really good. And at one point, you know, he told me, he's like, you know where I think I am in my hero's journey? I'm like, where do you think you are? He's like, I think I'm at the beginning again. I think this is the beginning of a new chapter. And it's coming from a point of, you know, I think this is the best where I can go, but I haven't found that big challenge yet. And I haven't gotten to that point where I'm battling for something different. And I'm certainly not at the point where I'm okay with it, or at least I've achieved a sense of renewed purpose or happiness. And that was that was kind of a big moment for you know our our relationship at the time because we had known each other only briefly, but we uh, we we connected on a lot. 
like a lot of stuff. I I remember we actually went to uh, went to K Street in the summer, which used to be really fun uh, because everyone is there, and you know it's where all the money is, and you're you're within walking distance of all the all the monuments and museums and stuff. And I remember like we were going building to building, getting kicked out of the places, selling stuff to you know strippers and strip clubs, and DC only has two strip clubs. We went to Archibald's, uh, greed greed you know the greed factor. Great factor when you're selling gets gets a lot of other people buying. If they see if they see one of their friends or coworkers buying, that greed factor works, especially among strippers. But I mean, we were selling stuff to tourists. I went to a haberdashery and I argued with an old man for like 45 minutes about what to pay. And I mean, the price range for a twenty dollar item went from like six dollars to a hundred dollars, back down to you know twenty dollars to sixteen dollars. Eventually, I made him buy it for like. 25 bucks and that was a success because the man was not going to walk out without a deal i i remember that he's like we will i will get a deal today and uh, that was that was a fun experience and i mean we we just it, it was like something out of, a, out of a buddy cop film it was just a lot of fun a lot of weird things happened during that time and then like a week later i would quit i'm like this is this is absolutely the worst job ever and i would rather be unemployed back to copywriting for uh for day spas and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, recently I, I had just had a moment where I got, I got tired of pretending to be happy constantly because, you know, you might, you might see things online and you might think life is a certain way, but I I mean, the truth is, uh, it's not. And the last, uh, last couple months I've really been grinding probably harder than I ever have before, but really the last couple of weeks have been, extremely difficult for me and you know it's been a it's been an experience but um I didn't snap at somebody but I basically kind of did this person was kind of describing me on the call you know oh here's here's what I do and here's what we're doing and here's what we want to do and I just straight up cut him off I'm like dude just tell me what you want and uh he, he was he was a polite guy I shouldn't have said that luckily the conversation went well and he still has something you know, we're, we're still going to work together on something. But I was like, just just tell me what the fuck you want. Stop stop pulling my leg and hoping that I'll just give you a whole bunch of stuff. Just tell me what you want because that's the only reason why we're having this conversation. But anyway, um, I called I called a friend and I was just like, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm a lot of things are going well. I'm just not really happy. I'm just not really happy. And, uh, you know... They were like, well, are you sleeping very well? And I'm like, not, not really. I'm really not because I have this problem where if I'm not being constantly productive, I don't, I don't feel really good about myself. I feel like I should work until I pass out. And when I pass out is when I do. And when I wake up, that's when I do. I feel like sleep is a, is a luxury I can't afford. But it comes out ultimately out of a place of insecurity that I'm constantly playing catch up that I'm not working as hard as somebody else's, that my stuff isn't as good as somebody else's. And then then I just, you know, I laid down on my couch and I started thinking, and once again I thought, you know, what season am I in right now? Because ultimately everything on the outside might be looking good for me, but what ultimately matters is how I feel about it. And the truth is I feel like I'm in a fall season. Now, where am I in my hero's journey? 
I can tell you without a matter of a doubt right now, I am in the big fight. I've been in the position where, you know, things are new and you're in a state of innocence and you're starting to see it. But some stuff happened lately that pulled me out of the point of no return. I can never go back to how that was ever. And now I'm in the fight and I feel it in my gut that the big fight is just happening and the big fight is going to be something big. And when it comes, it's going to come like a freaking wrecking ball. And I'm going to get to the point where I begin to question myself on the journey. And the battle is rough and it's long and it's going to look really dire at times. But if I know anything, it's that I have my faith with me and that God walks with me through everything I do. And that when I get to that point, whether it's a big victory of some casualties or whether it's, you know, just a big loss or whatever, you know, as long as I keep fighting, I keep fighting courageously and I keep fighting with faith as my shield, ultimately, I will get to the point where uh, an outcome will come and I will have to ultimately choose whether or not is this a victory or is it a defeat? And I, I, I like a quote from Jason Stapleton. He throws on this show quite often. I remember listening to it while I was on a treadmill uh, in 2015. 2015, I remember listening to this. And this is probably the first time I think he told us the story. He was, um, by, by us, I mean listeners. He said this on a show. But um, Stapleton is working for, I think, Blackwater Security at the time. And they're, uh, they're in this village in Afghanistan and what they basically do is they have a they have a they have a security compound where they are and where you know they, they've got a common room with a fridge and everything and the TV so uh, Jason comes down and he's talking to some other guys and he's making some coffee and he sees uh, sees something on TV I think it was like CNN or something that just bothers him so he wants to start talking politics with uh, one of his buddies and there's this other guy on his team that he's not too friendly with but I mean, they just never they they never spoke to each other. So he he looks at the guy and he just wants to be polite. So he starts making conversation. He's like, "Hey man, what what do you think about what we see on TV?" And the guy's like, "I don't really care." And Jason gets offended. He's like, "But this has to do with this big important thing, and this affects us all." And the the guy drops his spoon in his cereal and he looks at Jason. He's like, "You want to know what I think? You really want to know what I think?" And Jason's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I do." And the guy says. I think that no matter what happens, I'm going to win. I'll get through anything. Okay, you want to know why? And Jason's like, why? And he's like, because I'm a winner. And that's what winners do. Winners win. Now, take that apart. That's a pretty good mindset to have. But the thing is, even winners don't win at everything. After all, technically Lance Armstrong's a big winner. But we all know what happened to Lance Armstrong. Nobody looks at him and says he's a real winner anymore. But with that comes a sense of confidence. Because I know how the seasons go. I know that they change. I don't know that they change because it happened once. It's because it didn't just happen twice. It's not just because it occurred a third time. But they always change. Seasons always change. And the hero's journey is not static. 
wherever you are in your life, you're going to be in one phase or another on the hero's journey. Once you go ahead and recognize that, whether you're in the hard part or whether you're just starting it or whether you're just at the end, wherever you are, know that the next parts are going to come. And when they do, you have no choice but to confront them. Another thing I do is I, 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 I develop this, uh, this habit from my last therapist. She went ahead and said, you know, you got to ask yourself, is this going to bug you in, in 10 years? Well, will this bug you in 10 months? Will this bug you in 10 weeks? Will this bug you in 10 days? Will this bug you in 10 hours? I apply that test to basically everything in my life. And uh, it's useful because life will continue to move forward. And life will continue to go ahead and not only be these changing seasons, but life will put you in another chapter in your hero's journey. It's just a matter of whether or not you're, you're willing to take the next step and identify it, because sometimes that's hard. But sometimes the hard things are worth doing. If you're feeling down... If you're feeling like you're in a fall season, if you're feeling that you don't know where you are in your hero's journey, I don't think anyone can help you figure that out. But what I would recommend is whether it's a good therapist, whether it's a good friend, whether it's someone in your family, a faith leader, a mentor, don't ever think there's nobody out there that doesn't love you because the truth is and I say this with 100% certainty for everybody out there there is somebody who does and I hope that you'll have the courage to reach out to them and be vulnerable about those things because everybody goes through it you might die alone eventually but you live among men. That's all I've got to say for this episode. I can't pitch you anything else. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great Christmas ahead if you stop listening at this point. I'll be back Thursday with so much more. As always, you're listening to On the Run. I'm Remsen W. Martinez. Good night. shows and more from the We Are Libertarians network at wearelibertarians.com.